it, it makes me take a step back and say, mm-hmm. well, hold on now. Don't forget that you're just as guilty. Right. You know, before you wish plenty on them. Plenty of motivation to humble yourself. Plenty of yes. motivation to pray for your enemies. Plenty of mo- motivation to stay on your knees. Plenty of, plenty of motivation to have patience with to your brother. genuinely want better for your enemy. Right. For those that oppose you. Because right. if they, if I say that they are worth punishment, then I am condemning myself the more. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. Real discussions, real opinions, real stories and testimonies, real church talk. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. All right, guys, welcome back to Acts 2 and 42 podcast. Uh, thanks for listening today. Um, I got T here with me. I want to almost say that this one, he may kind of fly solo. I'm just going to kind of give him the launching pad to um to share what's you know what was on his mind um what's on his heart or whatever if you will and um and i don't know just ask some kind of follow-up questions you know to to help piece together mm-hmm. um what it is that you're trying to uh to present you know and so if, if you've started watching this you obviously know the the main subject the topic is um you know, praying for your enemies, what it takes to pray for your enemies, what that means. And um, so I'll just dish it right off and just see where you want to go from here as far as um, praying for your enemies. You know, we we know the infamous, oh, I'm going to pray for you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, church folks. And I'll say church folks, uh, not believers, not Christians, but religious people that attend church. Um, they, we, we've heard several uh, statements that are like, uh, facetious mm-hmm. and and malicious that are like you know oh i'm gonna pray for you because i'm i'm ticked off at you right now um uh, you're gonna get what's coming to you yeah it's more or, like i'm gonna pray the lord gets you right um and it's because they can't cuss you out in the moment <laughs> and that's what they want to do um <laughs> so they find this like sanctified way uh to say something slick to you so um, we're not talking about praying for your enemies like that like mm-hmm. you're my enemy oh i'm gonna pray for you so what exactly you know uh is praying for your enemies well, in regards to um, the actual, the actual, in, not intent, but meaning of praying for your enemies, it's. I think that there's a, a spirit of um. Not hu- not only humility, but recognition, you know, that must take place in order to truly and purely pray for your enemy. Um, when you recognize that first kind of backtrack, many of us don't have enemies. We have <laughs> people that true they either don't like us, people that um we don't like, and even in that, there's people that don't like us for just cause, you know, for things that we have done and for things that are are questionable about our character that, that many times we don't want to accept mm-hmm. or acknowledge. We talked um, about this a little bit with trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of it you brought on yourself. Uh, Christ hanging on the cross, uh, he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything to deserve that. That's different. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so similar. Yeah. We have people that don't like us. Um, and I think many times we jump to, well, they hate me or... You know, that's my enemy. I'm going to pray for you. When that's, 
I don't I think it it minimizes actual enemies and those who have actual enemies mm-hmm. when you conflate someone that doesn't like you with your enemy. You know, um right. the scriptures were very clear to pray for your enemies and this is these were people who were literally at jeopardy of being killed by the ones that they were telling you to pray for, you know, and um, by implication themselves praying for. But I think part of it is realizing that outside of societal bounds, so outside of societal boundaries and restrictions, there's really not much that separates your character from the character of your enemy, you know, or the person that dislikes you. You know, they're, they're evil. Yes. There's, and I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, there. <laughs> we often say, we often put ourselves in the place of the victim, the good guy, right. you know, um, and the person that opposes us is always the evil one. Right. Um, when, in all actuality, if there's anything good about us, it's, it's something that is, that is not. Mm-hmm. It's something that we haven't um, cultivated ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's something that was there, present, even before us. You know, before our birth, um, something that's been placed in us inherently. Because mm-hmm. without societal bounds, we're evil. Right. Without someone saying, "Don't do this," we would do it. And the history of the world shows us that most of the time we do it, even though it mm-hmm. says, "Don't do it." Yeah. Society. A rule, a law, the Bible, whatever, yeah. whatever a standard is, most of the time we do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So imagine without it. Yes. Yeah. Which, it is were, the, which is the point you're making. You yeah. have nothing to say that this is wrong. Don't people, go there. But people were generally good, right? No. Why not? Because of that reason. <laughs> we just, you know. I think that, I think people believe they are good. Mm hmm. Because I think we have a poor perception. I, th- I don't think we have perspective. I think we have a poor perception of um, history and what men are without, mm-hmm. whether it's Judeo-Christian um, principle or without without boundaries, without restrictions. Right. You know. But we believe that we're good. The, there's a quote that the world isn't. We think the world is good versus evil, but it's actually good versus good. It's people who think they're good versus other people who think Ooh, they're good. Yeah. You know, when in actuality, we're all very, if a man would were to take yeah. into account his own self, yep. the secret places of his own heart, and be honest about where he is inside, you'd realize that there isn't anything different between you and the person you detest the most. Right. You know, there, right. there are things that, if given the opportunity, and the time and the circumstance and the society you would do, you would be the very person that you detest, you know? So understanding that. We're, I, lo- we're looking across the table thinking that it's me versus the opposition when it's practically a mirror. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, um, mankind outside of what, what deed or what vice or whatever it is, but evil's evil. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're a Christian, you know, um, or Jew, you know, you know that to offend one law is to offend the law. Period. Mm-hmm. Is to you know. So 
either way, we've got evil on both sides of the table. Yeah. At least the the inherent potential capability in at in most times um selfish uh causes our own we're fighting our own battle uh we're fighting our own cause we're looking to further our desires our mm-hmm. thing you know and that's like you said when when it's not good versus evil it's good versus good mm-hmm. because they believe that their cause is just and righteous and they're fighting the good fight or whatever mm-hmm. you know um so they're actually in in many regards maybe not all but in many regards it's it's almost a mirror it's yeah. almost a a carbon copy on the other side of the table we call them the enemy they call us the enemy Mm -hmm. and we technically are enemies because we're both like if it was kingdoms we're trying to i'm trying to further my kingdom you're trying to further yours yeah we're both doing the same exact thing yep and in inside and in nature we have the same exact nature Mm -hmm. you know um just slightly different vices different offenses different whatever um so that kind of i think which i think the the spirit of that is you know what you're what you're getting at is the first thing that understanding that and recognizing that does is it levels the playing field. Yes. So, but without me looking, without me esteeming myself and looking at everyone else that challenges me um, as evil, looking at myself and esteeming myself as, like you mentioned, like the good guy, you know, and they're just the one trying to stop me. Oh, it's Satan. You know, yep. Satan's doing this to me. He's doing that to me. And it's because this person uh, disagrees with me or because this person, uh, you know, contends with whatever it is I'm doing. Um, so we look through that lens that I'm the good guy, they're the bad guy, therefore they're wrong, mm-hmm. I'm right, this is what should be done, is what I'm fighting for, and God's on my side. Yeah. And and if they do you wrong, and especially the more the more carnal we are, obviously, the less capable I think we are to, to actually pray for enemies or to see it through the proper lens. Because we that it takes carnality to 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 see that, to see it the way I just described it, the way you're describing it, that's carnality. 101 Mm -hmm. you know um and what you're saying is to look outside of that yeah and to understand that like you said this is a mirror that they're outside of in the case of christians and i would venture to say in the in a general sense outside of what uh what i believe to be christ has placed in you the good outside of that good mm-hmm. those restrictions or you can say society um outside of that you two are virtually the same right. you know you would do the same things and when you understand that it makes you a little more humble mm-hmm. when addressing when praying for your enemy because you understand that the only thing that separates you from them is him outside of that Outside mm-hmm. of the good that right. he's placed in you, that separates to a degree, that's because even we are scarcely saved. You know, even mm-hmm. we're even we barely escape judgment. Um, and I think it, it. Speaking of judgment, it takes an understanding of judgment, of the things to come. For his enemies, mm-hmm. you know, Paul said, "Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men." Well, you know that the Lord comes to execute judgment. Right. And you know the judgment. Right, right. You're not eager to pray that God gets your enemy. <laughs> and you know that you barely escaped the judgment. Right. You're actually praying that God saves them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the Lord from heaven on the cross said, Father, forgive them, right. for they know not what they do. Right. Any Which, man knowing the judgment, would any man knowing full well the judgment that would come upon him for his mm -hmm. wrong right. would not consciously do the wrong. Right. You know, would not be eager to do the wrong. I was getting ready to say that's that's um that's that's viewed in oftentimes things that Christ says and does or said and did, if we're reading in past tense what, what's written in the gospels. Um but the things he said and did is viewed as, well, that was Christ. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was, you know, a superior man, which truthfully he was, you know, but that doesn't change that from being the standard. No. It doesn't change that from being the way. We have the first martyr after Christ, Stephen, right. saying the same thing right. while being stoned. A human being. Lay not this sin to their right. charge because we understand what is to come. Yep. And when you understand the judgment, it's not, Lord, get them. Mm -hmm. It's, Lord, please don't get them. Right. What did Moses do when they sinned against the Lord? Right. Said, look. Let, let me, me let get me. it, yeah. you know, yeah. or punish me. And it wasn't, it wasn't, Moses wasn't eager for the people to be punished. Right. Understanding the wrath of the Lord. You know, Lot wasn't eager. Right. For the men of Sodom and Gomorrah to be punished. Right. Understanding the terror of the Lord. You know, there's Christ, Stephen, the apostles, they weren't eager for men to be punished. Right. And neither is God. He's not willing that any man should perish. Right. So even the Lord's not eager to punish. Right. Now he's just to do so after long suffering. Right. Because of the terror. Right. Which comes with it. Right. So, hmm. if if that's if if we have, or at least are supposed to have, mm -hmm. His Spirit, and this is what His Spirit understands and also desires, um, then. Like Christ hanging on the cross, like Stephen being stoned, people that are spiritually minded mm -hmm. or have that spiritual insight, um, not are wholly divine, you know, but have that spiritual insight, they're going, they're going to understand things, see things that way. They're not going to have carnality get in the way mm -hmm. and, and hatred overriding, you know, uh, spiritual common sense. Um, so they're going to have the mind of God and not wish ill, mm -hmm. just like God doesn't wish ill. You know, I mean, if if we understand Christ is or God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the man. Christ makes intercession for us who mm -hmm. have offended, and even after conversion, who still offend, whether it's the things knowing or unknowing, we still offend. He still makes intercession for us. Why would we not be making intercession for those who offend us? Right. Are their offenses greater than ours to God? Right. You know, and I think when when we don't have a not a tendency, but when we're not inclined to genuinely pray for our enemies, for, for those who offend us. Mm -hmm. And even because we do have brothers who have actual enemies. We have brothers who are being firebombed, you know, who are mm -hmm. being killed for their faith. And it's I try to be careful because it's easy from this seat, mm -hmm. you know, to say pray for your enemies. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't think it. I don't think their situation negates or disproves the mm -hmm. rule that look. This is what our Lord said. This is what right. the apostle said. This is what the spirit that we're supposed to inherit right. teaches us. And we ought to at least strive for. Yes, we shouldn't be happy basking in. Vengeance. 
and that's what I see a lot of. It's it's there's a a word which is sounds like a phrase um, called uh, Schadenfreude, which is to take pleasure from another's woes. And when you hear it, you know you it's getting all scholastic on me. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Um, Schadenfreude. Okay. It means to. Derive pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's to derive pleasure okay. from another person's woes. Okay, and I don't think that we understand how much, as Christ, as religious, why would people, you want something bad to happen to somebody? And we do. Sorry, we I... wait for the judgment. Many times over, you, you, we, at, as a community, I've heard it many times over. I can't wait till this is over, till right. the Lord gets them, you know, till the Lord rains down fire, right. And you're literally yeah, taking right. pleasure in the destruction. Right. How many of the prophets said, woe to you that wait that day? Yeah. It's yeah. not a good day. Right. Jeremiah seen it coming, warned yeah. the people when it came, he was weeping in tears and lamentations because right. of what he saw. Right. It's never a good thing. And it's not something that someone who understands their own morality, their own immorality, you know, their own mortality, excuse me, their own immorality, and the fact that it's only the just one that has separated you mm-hmm. from the judgment. Right. But who was also able to separate them from the judgment. It's only when you understand that that you'll actually weep before God saying, Lord, forgive them. Right. Because they're not worthy of forgiveness, then neither am I. Right. You know, and this is why I, I often <laughs> pray, not that you hear my cries, you know, not that you 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 grant me this or you grant me that, but man, just save me. Right. Help me, because if you don't help me, I'll perish. Right. If you don't do it, I won't make it. They won't make it if you don't do it. Right. If you did it for me, right. then they have a chance. Right. And if and if I want I want to pray for you. I want God to save you. I want God to be there for you. And if he is, me knowing the evil that you've done to me, me knowing that you are evil, and if God redeems you, if mm. God you know, vindicates you, if God esteems you, if God blesses you, if God prospers you, then I know there's hope for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Not that there should be selfish ambition, but um, judge not lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. In the same measure that you judge, it'll be judged back to you. So if I want forgiveness for you, um, Mark 11 chapter, when you stand praying, forgive. Because if you don't forgive, the Father doesn't forgive you. So it's like whatever measure, whatever whatever attitude I have towards my brother or my neighbor. You know, Terry had mentioned it yesterday when I told him what we wanted to talk about. Since he's not here in his absence, I'll share, you know, what he had chimed in. He was like, you know, um, the two greatest commandments, you know, love the Lord thy God, you know, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. So if your neighbor offends you. Well, if you love him, mm. just like you love you, you love you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to suffer. You don't want to go to hell, whether it's, you know, long-term suffering, whether it's, you know, um, or immediate. You don't want, you want forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So you have to want that for your enemy first. You have to want that for your brother first. Because whatever they get, mm-hmm. whatever you want for them and whatever they get, and that's why I wanted to kind of say what I hear you describing and what I, you know, know to be true as well, is that it's almost bittersweet. like. You know, the Christians will point to scriptures where vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will recompense. I will repay evil for evil, you know, that you're not to repay, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll, they'll point to it and they'll absolve themselves and say, well, it's not me. 
but the Lord's going to do it. But you bask in him doing mm-hmm. it. That is wrong. Yep. So it's kind of bittersweet to where, let's say someone does you wrong, and it's nice to know that there's someone, there is a judge, there is a mediator, there is a, a, a reconciler that, that um, recompenses, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I guess that's sweet in a way, but it's bittersweet because the, the, the heart of the Christian, the, the spirit should have you feel the same way God looks at the same way Christ prayed, mm-hmm. the same way Stephen prayed, the same, you know, that I don't want that to happen to them. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying? So There's it's very sweet knowing he told, avenges, but not wanting him to avenge. Yep. There's a reason why we're told not to take pleasure through the scriptures. Do not take pleasure in the fall of your enemy, <clears throat> lest mm-hmm. the Lord sees that and displeases him. Right. right. So when you're rejoicing that your enemy has gotten their due, Rather than weeping, because we're all in the same mortal state. Right. You know, we've all offended. Right. Therefore, we're all worthy of absolute devastation. Right. In its purest sense. So stop there for a second, right? When the prophet asked David, what do we do with a man that does this? Oh, does that not go along with what you were just saying? <laughs> yes. So, so please share share with the with the public. <laughs> so, um, for those that don't know, David was king of Israel, um, and he had taken Uriah. Uriah, I, I think so. I believe it was yeah. Uriah's wife, yeah. um, Bathsheba. Yes. Yeah. And he had slept with her. She had became pregnant, and to cover up his his deed, he sent Uriah to the front lines of the most fierce battle to have him killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the prophet comes along and he says, look, you know, there's a man who has a hundred sheep. I'm just kind of paraphrasing the, right. the, what right. the prophet says. Uh, the man has a hundred sheep and you know, he's given all the land and he sees a man with one sheep and the guy with the, the, the king with a hundred sheep goes and takes that, that one man's land and sheep. So the prophet says, well, you know, what, what do you do with such a man? Right. And David says that man should be killed. That man should be stoned. Lock him up. You know, take all that he has. Give right. it to others. So the prophet says, you're that guy. Mm. And I don't think we understand how often right. we fit the mold of the very one we desire to, con- to condemn. Right. You know, and that's... If God were to, were to come to you and you're, again, you're, you're, your heart is wrong, you're basking in the vengeance of the Lord, and the Lord says, look, I am here to avenge. I'm here to, to uh, uh, recompense. Here's a man that has done this, that, and the other. And you're like, yeah, that was done to me. Yeah, he did that. Get him, Lord, get him. He's like, no, I'm talking to you. That's yes. what you did to your brother. You're, uh, you know, tables are turned. And all of a sudden, it's like, hold on, forgive me. The just, the unjust judge mm-hmm. and all those stories. Now it's forgive me. We know? all we do that in so many areas. You know, um, I, I'll liken it to one that's readily available or, or easily viewable, um, which is, you know, adultery or fornication. We often look at the person who's doing it and says that person is detestable. Meanwhile, we've looked at people to to lust after them, you know, and in doing so, you become that very person that you that you right. condemn. Yep. So if we see a man doing it right. and oh he cheated on his wife, that's crazy. Right. We want vengeance. Right. She don't deserve that. Right. Meanwhile, you're the one who's continually looking after another woman. Right. You know. While you're married. Yep. And it's like, well, hold on now. Okay, so you want judgment for that man. Yep. And Christ said there's no difference. Christ said there's no difference. If you looked upon her, mm-hmm. you've already sinned. Mm-hmm. You know, to lust lust after. You've already sinned. 
So you're judging a man that commits the the act carnally. Yeah. And you do it within the heart. But if it's in your heart to do it, you did it. You know, if you, if your eye looks, you know, with lust, that that's yeah. still sin. Even you're still offended. Paul made it clear, you oh fool that judges, not knowing that you've never you looked do the upon same a thing. woman to lust, right? No, I never. We're not going to talk about that. I never have looked at a woman to lust. <laughs> Cause you know? This doesn't. This doesn't uh, come to this table. We're My two kids were of the immaculate conception. Just a little, because I know people were listening. They're like, "Oh, y'all are hypocrites! You guys are." Oh know, no, 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 no. It, yeah, this. It, 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 that's it where home, you know. That's where I I don't take pride in sin, but I I I appreciate what I have done because it gives me. It gives me um, kind of like a, a drawback. It, it makes me take a step back and say, mm-hmm. "Well, hold on now. Don't forget that you're just as guilty." Right. You know, before you wish Plenty on of them, motivation to humble yourself. Plenty of yes. motivation to pray for your enemies. Plenty of mo- motivation to stay on your knees. Plenty, of, plenty of motivation to have patience with to your brother. Genuinely want better for your enemy. Right. For those that oppose you, because right. if they, if I say that they are worth punishment then i am condemning myself the more because when i when i look at what other people do i try to internalize it um and i try to look back on myself mm-hmm. and many times there's an area where i can find where i'm doing something that is either mirroring what they're doing in a different manner or that is just as repulsive mm-hmm. you know that is just as punishable right um and it makes me kind of step back and say well hold on man Help me to be a better example. Right. And if I if it is a situation where mm-hmm. I need to speak, I pray, Lord, give me the words. You know, give me the 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 behavior. You know, give me the conduct. Because I've been in a situation where I've spoken to a man right words in the wrong manner. Right. You know. Right. And have had the pleasure of having the same thing done to me, so that I can. I have an objective, a measure to say, well, look. You see this, right? Right. The same way you hurt them, that thing was brought back on you. So it again, it makes you take a step back yeah. and consider <clears throat> what you're saying, what you're doing. It really makes you go back to God and say, "Look, man, forgive them, help them." Mm-hmm. You know, because you've helped me. Right. You've forgiven me. If there's still grace for me, Lord, please be patient with them. Right. You know, and outside of outside of a spiritual um, interpretation. There's actually a a great utility in hoping for good for those that are malevolent, you know, for those that do you wrong, for those that seem to be living a, a bad life, you know, that that is detrimental mm-hmm. to society. Um, if you can bring that one person to do good, then they affect those around them, right? And each one that they affect affects those around them, right? So in hoping. And trying to and doing good to that one, you know, and trying to bring them to do good, you exponentially better the environment. You know, right. you you better the society um, instead of hoping that they receive evil, which only hardens the heart. Right. You know. Right. So, and I, I don't. We see you can't talk about this without um, kind of uh, kind of transcending this topic or or tiptoeing or stepping on the toes of mm-hmm. several subtopics. Um, I thought of like 10 things <laughs> um, along along the way, you know, that 
we're talking about how to treat your brother, you know, that's, you know, a Christian, mm -hmm. you know, because we, we've, we've talked about the different uh, scriptures and the things that the church doesn't want to, you know, kind of deal with uh, for lack of a better word. This is driving me crazy. Okay. Now we're good. Um, OCD much? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I looked at my desk uh, yesterday. I had cleaned everything in here. I looked at my desk and everything was straight and organized. And I'm like, this looks like a psycho works here. <laughs> and I'm not that, 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 I don't want to say I'm not that clean, but I'm not that, you know, things get chaotic over there a lot. But when I clean it, I have to have the remote and the hard drives all. I'm going to put boxes around it all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is where that goes. Um, um, what was I saying? So there's, there's, unfortunately there's there's enemies we're talking about praying for your enemy right mm -hmm. and we're in at the same time we're talking about the uh parallel or the similarity or the equality between the enemy and you the mm -hmm. likeness the the thing the things that we share and why we ought to care about their demise or or whatever um so with that being said it the enemy could be in the church or out of the church it could be a brother you know david said it was the one that i walked into the sanctuary of god with or you know whatever you mm -hmm. call it um, the one I worship with every day, the one that, you know, we, we enjoyed to walk in the ways of the Lord and all that. And man, I could have, I could have dealt with it if it was anyone else, mm -hmm. you know, and I think everyone has experienced that and can understand that sentiment when it comes from within, you know, um, it's like when a family member does something to you, you know, before you know Christ or whatever, and it's just, you know, family, when family does something, it's things a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, because they were, that was supposed to be your safe place. But nonetheless, so it, it happens within and without um, inequity, transgression, whatever you want to call it, sin, um, faults, vices. They exist within and without. And there's, there's a fine line to tread between um, we all fall short. You know, we're all human. Uh, we all need Christ, mm -hmm. right? But So there's a fine line between acknowledging that and then, like, the first Corinthians, the fifth chapter, mm -hmm. and everyone's like, eh, you know, uh, I think it's first Thessalonians, the third chapter is it? no second Thessalonians, the third chapter. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, um, basically scriptures that tell you not to fellowship mm -hmm. with Christians that have such conduct, you know, and I don't, that's, that's a separate topic of its own. And I would love to, to take the time to focus on that, mm -hmm. but I guess all I'm saying is there's like a lot of subtopics we touch on and we have to put everything in its yeah. proper place because like, well, just like, for instance, reading that, we're just putting off everyone because they've done something or not putting off anyone. Even with know? that though, what is, what is the spirit behind it? It's not the fellowship them because they are no good. They're evil. Right. They're, they do evil, but the purpose is that they may come, that they may repent, that right. they may understand that this is wrong. Realize and that it puts wrong. them in danger, right. and others again. Right, it's not just you that you're putting in danger. Right, it's others because there's others that will be taken away from that by that conduct. Right, as we see in scripture, you know, false prophets arise and men who esteem themselves arise, yep. and they draw away others after themselves. But it's ultimately to save your soul, not to condemn you. Right, it's not put them out the church and we have nothing else to do with them. It's look, put them away that he may be ashamed. But if that man repents, then draw him back in. I admit, I mean, you know, I mean, we we came into church, you know, at the same exact time. And so we've experienced, you know, pretty much the same exact things. And so I know we've been through situations that we haven't done it right. Mm -hmm. And and also, even within the collective trying to talk to each other, um, 
there wasn't really a right answer. It was either one or the other. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't, you know, the proper balance, the line in between the two. Um, but, but so I understand the, the difficulty to find it, but, um, but I don't know, we seem to polarize. Yeah. It seems to be, I, well, I'm a, I'm a Galatians six and one type of person, you know, ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of me. That's right. Right. One, mm -hmm. right. Okay. Um, or, or you're, you're Jehovah witnesses and Catholics and you're just excommuning anyone. Just that does flame fire. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, I know as a, as, as a person that, you know, I've talked about this recently. I'm, I'm. I'm just as evil as anyone else. I have just as much potential, capability, nature, whatever you want to call it. Um, but everyone acts like, you know, I think I'm holier than now, or I'm I'm trying to be a saint, or, and, you know, Sheree tells me all the time that, you know, I expect too much from people. Well, that's actually what I expect of myself. So I can't, mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And, you know, the scripture talks about, you know, thinking about the old man and being vexed, you know, by the ways, you know, the things you used to do and the things some people still do, it does vex you. It does trouble you. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you forget that, yeah, I was there. I did that. Yeah. So I understood it at the time and I should, you know, have a, a little bit of sympathy or um, empathy um, either way. But nonetheless, you know, it's not that. I, I don't know. Um, I deal with it with my kids. Same thing. Um, someone does wrong you should still be their friend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the, the excommunication, you know, aside, but the problem I had wasn't with being a friend. It was the response that I would get from the church as to we pretty much don't say or do anything. And I don't think a brother does that. And I didn't have an example to mm -hmm. tell me how to do it right. I didn't have an example or I wasn't given the biblical principles, um, the right answers, the right pieces put together. While you're looking um, at scripture that says, at least at face value, to do something. Right. And the answer is kind of don't do anything. And um, and so I, I've seen the fruits of that. And I'm like, well, I know what that creates. Mm -hmm. You know, because, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be accountable to ourselves, to God, and to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think, but we don't know how to do that. You know, and like I said, that's like a separate podcast topic of its, of its own um, because of how in-depth it is. But I think, I think it, it's, it's, like I said, it's a subtopic or we tiptoe on it. Um, it's a cousin to the conversation or whatever you want to call it. It's related that um, how, to, how to deal with people that do wrong, whether mm -hmm. they do you wrong or do God wrong, but that do wrong. And this is another example where if we have the wrong heart and wrong spirit or lack of understanding, we read one scripture for face value and like we bask in the vengeance of the Lord or we bask mm -hmm. in excommunication like Jehovah Witnesses and stuff. And um, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's another example Again, where- Again, not considering our own selves. Right. You know, ye that are spiritual restore such a one, considering your own self. Right. Considering your own self. If you have, you've, we have barely escaped judgment while standing in jeopardy of falling every hour. You know, so consider that, yes, your enemy has offended you. But you also can offend God at any moment and be cast off. Right. You know, at any moment, you can you can miss the mark. Mm -hmm. You should. Yes. You should be cast off. You yeah. know, if you think about, yeah, it's not just. Not that you can. You, yeah, right. you're right. You should. So, so not, not that, 
again, trying to find balance because mm-hmm. people can take this the wrong way and be like Opus Day devoted and beating themselves and, you know, abstaining from life, marriage, food, you know, joy, whatever, all because of guilt, mm-hmm. you know, all because the recognition of their sins and the, and the, the, um, the depravity, you know, that's in them. And so they punish themselves all the days of their life. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about um, the realization mm-hmm. of what is actually owed to you, what you actually deserve, and how gracious <laughs> God is. And and even even if you didn't believe in God, how lucky you are. Mm-hmm. It's called luck to those that don't believe in God. But that you know, if you're whatever position you're in, I mean, if we're sitting here talking today, you ought to be thankful mm-hmm. because if if the history of the world and the world today has proven anything, that you're lucky to be here alive, just standing here talking. That's the one not, not beating down your door, right? Someone beating down your door, whether it's tyranny, whether it's a foreign enemy, whether it's sickness, whether mm-hmm. it's cancer, whether it's whatever famine, what you know. There's about a million things in this world you could suffer from. So if you're, you know, that you should be suffering from, right? So all of us. You know, we should be thankful. And I just wanted to point out, because it's not like, oh, by chance, it could happen. It actually should. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you if you, if you you calculate, if you believe in God and you calculate, you know, his ways, then according to his ways and according to what you've chose to do, you deserve the opposite of what you have today. Mm-hmm. If you take him out and you say it's all by chance and I believe in karma and luck and all this other stuff. According to the history of the world. Even by that, mathematically and probability, you still deserve suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you shouldn't you shouldn't have a good life for all intents and purposes. But but anyway, let's stay within the, the believing aspect. You know, I just wanted to, you know, make the accommodation for mm-hmm. that, for that view. Um, but yeah, it should happen. You you and I think that's again recognizing that you are like the enemy, that you want to heap coals of fire mm-hmm. on his head. You know, you are like him. You are that person. If you want to heap coals on his head, God or someone else should be just enough to heap coals on your head for being so very similar and so very guilty and so very deserving of the punishment you want someone else to receive. Mm-hmm. So you ought to deserve it. And we have this entitlement in the faith like, well, why is this tragedy befallen me? Did I not pay my tithes? Or did mm-hmm. I forget to go to you know the afternoon service or whatever it is that we get religious about? We don't realize that, I mean, to be honest, I mean, you've done a thousand things in your life that you mm-hmm. deserve punishment for. Um, I mean, did that, I guess I'll, I'll I mean, I think that does a, a great job of illustrating the parallel or the likeness between, you know, you and your enemy and why it is important, why it is, why it's vital, and in many cases, imperative, you know, it. There, there should be an, an urgency. And why we should appreciate our enemies. Mm-hmm. They're a reflection of you, and it gives you an opportunity to actually to intercede for them as Christ intercedes for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you that, the, the, in our case, the rare moment to be like your Lord, right. you know, to be like Christ. Right. To show that, look, I understand the wretchedness of my own being and that I am worthy of judgment. So because you've helped me, mm-hmm. help them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't done anything on my own to deserve it. Lord knows I've done nothing but given him reason right. to cast me off. You know, and that it, it's... Why is it so easy to forget that? I feel like we've seen it a thousand times over that 
the same people that come into the church wretched and undone mm. and that do thank God change their ways and get on a better path mm-hmm. and, and kind of, you know, make something of their life. And, and, but then the next person that comes in, you expected them to come in pristine and you hate their ways. <laughs> and I said, I, I said, look, let's, <laughs> let's make the, make, not let's, even the ways we hate them. Yeah. Many we, times. Do, we do show. I, and I, I think, I think it's subconscious, you know, we hate that they remind them, remind us of us, you know? And I think there's a, there's something to be said psychologically that they're, they are, we hate you. the mirror. <laughs> they are you. They they are who you were, and probably somewhere inside still could be. Mm-hmm. And it's the reminder. I, I don't know. There could be something to be said about that. But long story short, we've seen it. The the grace, the mercy, the the deliverance, the aid that you received. You have no patience in someone else's walk, and you expected them to come in. And I was just you know had a little mm-hmm. Bible reading with the kids yesterday morning, and you know they that are well have no need of a physician. Mm-hmm. You wanted them to come to the hospital healthy. You wanted them, you know what I mean? Like, so you want your enemy to, to stay on, you know, our enemy. Um, they that are well, is your enemy well? You, you know what I mean? Like, so he suffers or she, they suffer need. They need him just like you do. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing what they're doing, that is nothing, that, that's nothing but evidence of the help that they need. And you know this if mm-hmm. you're a spiritual man. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I say it's only carnality that could let you bask in the vengeance of the Lord or or actually even view them as an enemy. Something bad happened to us recently, and we were pretty sure someone had something to do with it. I didn't harbor any resentment to her because I'm like, you have no idea where we're going from here. Mm-hmm. You know, all you were was a catalyst, you know, and just real quick, let's make a pit stop at the story of Joseph, what his brothers did to him, mm-hmm. putting him in the pit. You know, um, the dream that he had and was naive enough to share with, you know, his family, his brothers. And, um, you know, obviously his brothers respond as any human beings would. Like, why are you so special? You know, oh, okay, so you're going to rule over all of us. Oh, you're the big bad boss. You mm-hmm. know, and of course he's the baby brother or one of them. I think there's one younger than him. But, but yeah. So um, they were technically, they became his enemies. Mm-hmm. They threw him in a pit to die. And was it Benjamin that pleaded for him? Mm-hmm. That you know, and they're like, "All right, look, we'll just sell him into you know slavery. You know, sell him, and you know, so they'll take him away." So all of that they meant to harm you. Mm-hmm. Judas putting Christ on the cross, he did it out of selfishness. He did it, you know, for his mm-hmm. own you know reasons. Um, malevolent, <laughs> malevolent, um, yeah, whatever that word is. Um, <laughs> um, he did it maliciously. Um, he did it with evil intentions, but what he meant for evil. Because of that, Christ was not only ascended to heaven, but his blood washes you today. Mm-hmm. That would not have happened without evil. And name drop Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules of Life, mm-hmm. uh, Finding uh, Order in a, in a World of Chaos, or whatever the title actually is, I'll link it. But he he does a great job showing the yin and the yang and why it takes evil, why there's good in all evil, why there's some evil in all good, and how that relationship you know works in Had this world. Had it not been for Joseph being sold into slavery, there would have been no salvation for him starved. and his brothers. Exactly. If you know the end of the story, his whole family would have starved. You think the Pharaoh would mm-hmm. have just said, here, I'll help you random people. <laughs> it was because he knew that was his brothers and his family, and he was in position as basically second mm-hmm. only to Pharaoh, right? Yep. That never would have happened if they weren't first his enemy. Had Judas not gave Christ over for his own selfish amb- ambition. Right. 
had Judas not have given Christ over, there wouldn't have been salvation. Right. That blood that was slain. Right. But even in that story, I think we often miss if you do what's right, even to your enemy, there comes a point where, in some cases, even your enemy recognizes they're wrong. Absolutely. Because Judas right. was truly sorrowful afterwards. Right. You know, and I'm not an apologist for Judas. Right. right you know, but right. it stands to be noted, um, to quote, give the devil his due. Right. Judas wasn't running around saying, yay, Christ is on the cross. Right. He ran back and said, look, I have forsaken innocent blood. Or, right. yeah, I have betrayed innocent blood. Right. This man is innocent. Right. I've done wrong. Right. You know, and it... Just like Joseph's brothers had that realization. Yep. And humility once they found out it was him and the love and the grace that, that mm -hmm. he showed them. You know, and Joseph, you know, typifying Christ in many ways. There's absolutely a connection there. But it's the same exact thing. But both of those men walked right while their enemies, you know, had done evil to them. Mm -hmm. They did what was right. They responded the right way. They didn't repay evil for evil. They didn't, you know, lamb dumb to the slaughter. Mm -hmm. Didn't say a word. They didn't and, harbor animosity. And this is why I said it, it's carnality to bask. I, I keep saying bask or to enjoy the mm -hmm. vengeance of the Lord or whatever, but uh, Romans 15 and 4, you know, the things that were written aforetime, if you know the story of Joseph, and now we know the story of Jesus, and now we know the story of the apostles and all mm -hmm. these different stories. Um, if you know them, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that through patience, patience to let it take its course mm -hmm. and comfort in the scriptures, we may have hope. So this is why, like, we see these stories. And, and that's why when I look at the person that was, I'm going to say what it was, but the person that does me wrong, you know, I know how the story goes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that like, oh, I'll pray for you, you know, but thank you. You have no idea what's going to come from this. I do. You, you probably meant it for evil. I really don't care. <laughs> you probably meant it for evil. I see something good coming from yeah. this. So I, I have no problem. And I know God. I know he's just. Even if I didn't see the possible outcome and didn't know how in the world it could work, I know how God works and that he's just. So if you meant evil against me and I didn't deserve it, you know, um, I know he's only doing something good. Mm -hmm. And I just have to have that patience and endurance and I don't know. Like, I don't love the other person. I mean, it, it's good if you know them, then and you should love them even if they do wrong to you. But I don't know them like that. So I didn't have love towards them. I, I'm not even going to lie and say, oh, I just showed them love. Or, mm -hmm. No, I didn't really show them anything because I don't know them. That's how weird the situation was. But um, but I'm indifferent. I don't have any bad feelings towards you, you know, um, where I have every right to mm -hmm. if, I, if we have that suspicion that you did something, you know. But nonetheless, um, I mean, I want to... I wanted, at least point out that people are human. You know, we make the wrong, we make wrong mistakes. Sometimes we get caught up and we do feel some kind of way when someone does something to us and just take it as a life lesson and just try to respond the next time. Um, you know, I had, I had touched on Romans and I had touched on heaping coals of fire mm -hmm. and I know you wanted to touch on that. So, so why don't you, you know, go ahead and, and I guess pick up the ball and, and share with us about what, you know, heaping coals of fire. Cause I know that's a very, that's one that, if someone likes the vengeance of the Lord, if someone wants vindication mm -hmm. and justice, you know, they're like, oh man, I'll do this and I'll only be nice or I'll only do something kind because boy, it's going to heap coals of fire on your head. You're going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I was actually more inclined to <laughs> pass it back on this one um, only because 
I will I will say this. I think that if you're doing good to to place a reward or a consequence on your enemy, then you're doing it out of the wrong spirit. You're doing it out of um, not necessarily necessity, but out of a desire for them to be punished. Mm-hmm. So your good is actually evil. You know that that quote good that you're doing, right. if it's for the cause of punishing them, right. Right. Then it's evil. Right. You know, that that thing isn't right. um it's almost like James references two different kinds of wisdom. Right. You know, yeah, yeah it sounds wise, yeah. but it's actually foolish. It's earthly. It sounds yeah. good, but right. that is earthly. You know, yeah. it's devilish. Um but in looking at the the phrase, you know, heaping coals of fire on their heads, right. um I was I was more leaning towards the there are two ideas, and I was leaning more towards um, one that seems relative, but not precise to what Paul's referencing. Which is right. why I wanted—I would rather you explain, you know, what you saw when looking at the, the the two um, right. prevailing theories. Right. Um, and I will <laughs> push credit back to whoever that guy was, but. Um, He pointed out something that I hadn't thought of. Of course, you know, it's not a scripture that I particularly had broken down, you know, and analyzed every every word spoken. Um, but it's like I agree with other Christians that I've seen and heard, like their YouTube videos and stuff. They're not okay, and I think that's good that you know you have the right heart if you hear the context that it's often used at, like heap coals of fire on their head, like that'll show them. Oh, they'll be burning <laughs> mad, or that'll get you know. Well, that doesn't seem right. Well, I agree with that. It doesn't seem right because it's not right, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you so, say I'm gonna agitate them, right? No, this will really <laughs> I'm get poke them. at them. This will really <laughs> get them, you know. Uh, again, if that's why you're doing those previous things named, and but that's the because you're doing them because you want that outcome to agitate them further, mm-hmm. um, or to prevail over them in an earthly, carnal content, mm-hmm. carnal way. Um, I don't want to prevail over them. I want to prevail over the obstacle of hatred mm-hmm. of an earthly enemy, of you know, that that obstacle. I want to prevail over that. Um, and you know, Abraham Lincoln said the only way to, you know, to overcome an enemy or, you know, whatever is to make him a friend. You know, um, love conquers hate. You know, love supersedes hate. Light voids, makes darkness void. Mm-hmm. You know, light overcomes darkness. So all of these things should be a zero, not zero sum, but a a, a value of zero by themselves. Um, once the opposite and superior one comes, you know, if it's hate, well, that becomes zero when love shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's darkness, well, that becomes zero. There's zero darkness once light shows up. So that's what I'm saying, you know. Um, but anyway, the guy shared, you know, that there's... Um, Two two uh, views as far as what heaping coals of fire refers to, and one of them was you know the battle strategy that I'll say if so if you are uh, you know you have your fortress, and obviously this is like in more ancient times, not like today where they're flying drones and stuff, you know, drop bombs, but you have a bunch of men, uh, um, and you know they're 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 laying siege to your fortress, 
Well, one of the best methods, and you see it in movies, you see it in all kinds of things dated in that time period, is they do something along the lines of either coals or fire or, mm -hmm. you know, gasoline, you know, some type of uh, oil or something, tar, you know, and dropping that and lighting the metal on fire. And there's like no better way to stop a siege mm -hmm. and just light them all on fire, you know? And if they don't get caught on fire, they have to run because they can't climb the, the wall any further. So there, he, he, he was explaining how that's one of them is to, to heap coals of fire, you know, on their head to prevail in the war. Um, but he didn't like the demeanor of it, you know, because it's like, you know, oh, I'll attack them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm just paraphrasing. But um, the other one was he made a correlation between um, the altar the incense and and the coals of fire and the censer in the tabernacle, you know, in the temple. And while the smoke going up is a sweet savor to the Lord and all that. And the only problem I have with that is I think the first one seems like it's in the wrong nature. The second one seems like a better nature. And I agree with that. But for one, what I was telling you, I don't see, you know, heaping coals of fire to me isn't a correlation to the Romans about the temple in Jerusalem. You know what I mean? That's not something that he would have spoke to the Romans about. That's something he would have spoke to, you know, Israelites in Jerusalem about, even though you could argue that there was probably Jews uh, and or converted believers now that would have been familiar with the temple, at least to some degree. But I don't think that's how he spoke to the Romans mm -hmm. to reach the Romans. He would have spoke to Jews in the Sabbath on the temple about the offerings and the incense in the temple. Mm -hmm. um, I like the sediment of the, like the prayers of the saints, you know, going up just like incense is a sweet savor to the Lord. And there's spiritual things today that are a correlation to those things. And I think that we can, we can, we can build mm -hmm. from whatever Paul was literally talking about and reach something like that. But I don't think he was referencing that. Like I told you, you know, um, I think what he's saying, he's speaking to the Romans who are very, very familiar with war, with battles, with carnal ways, period. Um, just like he always did. And I think he was, um, most likely, I can't say without a shadow of a doubt, but what I see is I see him referencing battle. And I see him saying that if, look, if you have a fortress, this is one of the best ways to prevail over an enemy, mm -hmm. by heaping coals of fire on there. And he references that. And if, they, if they're familiar with battle as Romans, like Roman soldiers and everything, would be very, very familiar with battle mm -hmm. and battle strategies. They would know that that was like, the number one way to protect your fortress mm -hmm. and to keep someone trying to, you know. So I don't think he's saying do it to throw fire on on people. What he's saying is, like he did in many other passages, he referred to himself as a soldier of the Lord. He referred to it, you know, to our ways as uh, the weapons of our warfare mm -hmm. are not carnal, right? So we're not in carnal battle. We mm -hmm. are soldiers. We are in a war. Um, principalities and powers and, you know, all this, right? The armor of the Lord. He mm -hmm. spoke in war terminology throughout all of Asia Minor, <laughs> all of Europe, wherever he went, mm -hmm. you know, because they understood being a soldier, they understood battle. And I think he's doing the same thing here, but he's just saying that love is the way to prevail and send mm -hmm. the enemy running, to, to prevail in the war, to remove that obstacle of an enemy trying to do something to persecute you. By this doing this, how... you heap coals of fire or you neutralize. Right. And you prevail. Mm -hmm. Love prevails by doing the first things, you know, named, you feed them, you clothe them, whatever the case may be, whatever their needs are, you love them. You don't repay evil for evil. You know, this And notice he's not saying hate. you go out and you do these things. You go to them and you appear before them and just give them, right. say, look, when they need, because there will be need. Right. 
you do this, you do that. Right. So the one that was persecuting, persecuting you, when they have need, you do good to them. Right. And by doing so, you now neutralize the threat. Man, I don't care how much someone doesn't like you. If they see at the end of the day, after all the church walks past you and says, praise the Lord, when you pay their light bill, mm -hmm. when you buy them groceries, when you pay their rent, you know, whatever the case may be, when you're there for them, after all the handshakes and all that mm -hmm. just kept moving, they're going to know where the love is, you know, and I'm not. And that's not your testimony. You don't make that your, your oh, testimony. Right, right, you know, right. you go out and I did. But again, all, all the stuff that we mentioned, it's just the wrong heart, flat out. Um, I remember talking to a, you know, a bunch of Christians and, or at least being a part of a conversation. And, and it was like, how do we teach people that? And I, while I understand the question, I understand the question is like, man, and, and I do, I kind of wanted to end there, you know, so how do, how, how do you love your enemies? How do you get the, the heart to love your enemies? And, you know, I guess there's an answer to it. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's something we can say to answer to it. But part of me says in the background, it's not teachable. Part of me, part of me says it's not teachable. You either have the heart to do so or you don't. Um, can you get the heart? All right, that may be where the answer is. So how do you how do you answer that? How do you have a heart to pray for your enemies righteously, the right way? I think I think that from I think that understanding yourself, understanding your own nature, um, will it will reveal whether Christ is in you or not. I think that when Christ is in you, you automatically just like the the people who were referencing um keeping coals of fire. It's like man, there's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. You know, though I may not understand exactly what it is, I know there's something wrong. And when you understand your own self, it's like, yeah, um, I I pray for them because I'm evil. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think the only way to get that, to get the heart initially is to be converted. Mm -hmm. I, don't think that, I don't think that a man that's not converted has any true incentive to pray for his enemy. You know, um, to a degree, because mm -hmm. there, there are some who do see the utility in doing good to a person that does you wrong. Right. You know, and right. how it can affect, how it can have a greater effect so on communities. they still see a benefit, so they do it because they see the benefit, mm -hmm. not because they're converted and it's the only way they know. Yeah. Like, but a Christian understanding judgment and understanding the terror of the Lord, right. understanding that you offended, you know, understanding your nature, or at least considering these things, has is more inclined to pray genuinely for the person that offends them because I understand that I offend him. Right. I, not only God, I've offended my brother. Right. I've offended my sister. Right. I've caused others to stumble. Right. So Lord, man, please be merciful with them because as long as you give them mercy, I feel like they've done wrong, right. man, there's, there's a chance for me. Right. And um, like what you, the realization of you, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, you know, to them, to God, to whoever, um, the thorn in the flesh, you know, Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, now that that was literally said to because of the abundance of revelation, you know, and all mm -hmm. of that. So he didn't get above himself, I guess. But I don't know, doesn't it? 
in what you described in this is like us all recognizing a thorn, mm -hmm. the fact that we all have some type of thing that's like like the thorn in the flesh that it may not be because abundance of knowledge or or revelation, but it's very little. Um, but for for to create an abundance of mercy for our brother, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like to to bring you down a peg, so you don't judge someone harsher than you'd like to be judged. That's why you, with your spiritual, are able to restore such a one, right? And a spirit of meekness, right? Because you, you want see to see that that thorn mm -hmm. per se, you know, um, or not per se, but um, <laughs> um so I, I don't know. Um, anything in closing? I mean. I would say fasting and praying. Oh, like, that's like you talked about being converted, and obviously boy. that's step one. But step two is like if you not not to be. I hate because it comes off overly spiritual sometimes, and I would like to do something on just fasting and praying, just experiences, not just reading scriptures that anyone else could could look mm -hmm. up. Um, but the benefit of just just praying for one, the benefit of that when it comes to praying for your enemies. Is I we've talked about this many times. I don't know how you can kneel before God and come to Him about things, and your heart not just be devastated, you know, and just, just shattered again, like completely reset. So any animosity, any hate, any doubt, any anything, and anything bad towards anyone else is automatically neutralized, and all you can do is think, you know what, this situation here. Can you can you forgive them? Can you help them see what they're doing and and don't don't do nothing to them. They they have no idea. They have the person that I think probably tried to do us wrong. You know, they have no idea what they're doing, and they have no idea what could come their way mm -hmm. because of what they attempted. You know, I don't want that to happen. They they didn't know. You know, I mean. So like I said, I mean, if you actually spend time in prayer, and if you're actually um self aware, self analyzing, self you know uh, reconciling with God for who you are. <laughs> are <laughs> not have been, but are today, you know, and where you fall short and and what your needs are from him. Like I said, I think it it resets. Mm -hmm. I think it completely resets and neutralizes, so that I don't I don't know. You can't truly pray for your enemy if you're not praying. Mm -hmm. like you can't just say, "Oh, Father, forgive him," just to say that prayer. You know. I think what I would well, not I think what I would say in closing, what I will say in closing is to take a step back and to honestly examine yourself. You know, honestly consider the things you've done, the things that you do, the things that you think, you know, the things that are hard to address mm -hmm. about yourself. Um, the areas where you think, you know, oh, I wouldn't do that. Take a, take a step back to honestly examine, to honestly consider who you are, and I think if you do that truthfully, right, you'll get to a point where you have so much more compassion for those that do you wrong, you know. And even if even if you're not the spiritual type, um, it'll it'll humble you. It'll make you take a step back mm -hmm. before you're so quick to criticize or condemn others. What what are we missing? Uh, I don't know. I think we. I think we hit all the, uh, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a great way to, to close if there's nothing else. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, that's, I think that's pretty much it. You know, we've, we've come full circle. We've hit a bunch of things in the, in, in the process and probably touched on a couple of things that we could uh, 
kind of expound on mm-hmm. in in other episodes. Um, but I don't know. Um, so for those listening, for those watching, um, definitely would love feedback on this one uh, more so than others, um, like a hot topic or you know whatever the case may be. Oh, what do you think about this? Is it right or wrong? no? Um, how has this impacted you? with the things talked about, maybe you were one that already prayed for their enemies, you know, and already had the right heart. And maybe it's just something along that spoke to you more or, you know what I mean? Compelled you more or, or did something else for you in the process or someone on the flip side, you always had a problem with that. Did any of this help? What's your thoughts? What's your, you know, what's your views from that? Um, uh, or if you have something to add, God knows with the scriptures, there's always more, you know? So, um, I know what with a, with a book full of men who said, I am, I'm undone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cloud of witnesses. <laughs> Cloud of witnesses of men that, that had the proper realization, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you have great examples of the opposite. You know, I told my dad this once that a bad example is normally better than a good example. Seeing someone do wrong mm-hmm. can impact you. And if you learn nothing, you can learn from the Pharisees at least what not to do. And they're the opposite of the men that you spoke of. They are the ones saying, I'm good as I am. Everyone else is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, and they wanted vengeance. They wanted to, you know, people to die and all that, you know. Um, So, yeah, I think we got examples, both biblically, um, in abundance. (laughs) I would like to add, though, definitely check out um, David and Saul. Definitely check out David and Saul. Right. Um, It's, we have an example of a man with an active enemy. Right. Constant and would not harm that man. Right. And even at Saul's death, David cried. Right. You know, that's if if nothing impacts you or or shows you the character, you know, um that we should have. Right. I think that definitely does. Right. Right. See, I told you we can keep pulling them out. <laughs> you know. All right, cool. Thank you for listening. Uh this is Acts two and forty two, and we'll come back to you next week. Thank you.